You're listening to Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon, and I'm here with Joel and M. Yeah, and today we have M with us. Timothy is not on today because he's not interested in the films we're talking about, which is okay. But we have M, Primordial M, who is going to be here with us talking about Black Widow and Loki. We're doing an MCU episode today with the new releases. And yeah, M, you are, I would consider you expert as well as Joel, so this should be amazing. Um, we're going to start with Black Widow first. Um, the film came out, it came out online last week, so people should have watched it by now. Um, let me see, I don't even know if this film needs much of an introduction. You introduce uh, it. But everybody knows it. But Black Widow is uh, the latest installment from from MCU, the first film since the pandemic, and the lead is Black Widow is played by Scarlett Johansson, and she finally gets her own movie. This is the first female-led movie. They, no, they had Captain Marvel, Second. so that's wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> it's shocking. I'm actually shocked she wasn't the first. But it is the 24th film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it's directed by Kate Shortland. In this film, besides Natasha Romanoff, there is Florence Pugh, who I really like, who comes in to play her sister, in quotes. Um, David Harbour, who was just Hellboy. <laughs> I'm laughing because, Em, I just remembered you were like the only people who cared about Hellboy and it flopped. Every time I care about a movie, it flops, so I stopped caring. <laughs> There's also Rachel Weisz. And the film is about um, the personal story of Black Widow, her journey, where she comes from. We see her as a child, then as an adult, meeting her sister. Um, this, this is going to be full of spoilers, so please don't listen if you haven't watch the film because we're going to get into all the details hmm, I feel who has the story in their head better Joel can you or um, do you have the story and you can break it down better than I am doing right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah kinda so Black Widow takes place between Civil War and Infinity War so it's mm -hmm. about Black Widow on the mm -hmm. run and then she runs right into her past boom little sister comes out of the woodworks drops a bunch of uh, crazy uh, mind-altering serums on her. Then Widow gets targeted by Taskmaster, some crazy copycat cyborg human person. And, and then, yeah, Black Widow has to, like, save all the other Black Widows that are under control by, like, this evil Saturday cartoon uh, villain. And, uh, yeah, they kick mm -hmm. some ass and ride off into the sunset. Nice. That was perfect. I even forgot that part about how it's set between movies from the past. That was very confusing, but anyway, <laughs> let us begin. Um, so, M, could you tell us your general thoughts? Let's start with our general thoughts on the film. What were your expectations and were they met? What did you feel about the film? Um, okay, so... Um, 
after the trailers came out the trailers were really underwhelming so the movie itself for me kind of went above what i expected um, i think it was a good spy movie um it kind of fleshed out natasha more and, and it's kind of a shame because she's dead now so um we really aren't going to get the natasha we got in black widow again ever um it's a shame it took having her solo movie come out after she died in the mcu for her to actually get kind of more of a more of a character you know more of a personality um i really liked it yeah nice uh joel uh yeah i was i think it was a perfectly okay uh movie uh completely average i think the title should be black widows because i personally didn't get uh the fleshed out story out of hope for with natasha because i remember like the flashbacks in uh, age of ultron and there was that creepy ballerina nightmare scene so i was hoping that it would be like actually set in the past past and that would like see her training in the red room uh have her meet up with hawkeye i'm like they they dh nick fury for the entirety of that other uh superhero for captain marvel uh so i was like you know you could dh dh like scarlet a bit you know we could see a bit more of that uh that i thought would be interesting to see how they navigated like the darker elements of her story because she's like assassinating people all over the place so it's like the point in time that they chose for the movie was weird do i get for like in the big picture why they selected that because they're like basically setting up a successor like the new black widow her sister who i thought was amazing uh which is the other thing in the movie for me like i thought the side characters were way more interesting still than natasha is and i didn't feel like i got any kind of depth like uh like i learned anything new about natasha's character it was like she's just she looks cool like in scenes she looks cool talking to people looks cool kicking ass she's like she's a very action hero and i feel like that that is enough in of itself that there's no more depth for me than that i feel like her sister was such a fascinating character she had so much personality so i'm excited for like as a black widow i think they'll fix a lot of the mistakes i feel like the mistakes here and there that they made in developing natasha's character because she, she's one of the more i think underdeveloped in the avengers the original avengers roster um so i thought like as a movie without those those expectations aside like as a movie it's fun it like has a lot of interesting jokes the action scenes are really good even though they're too much in my opinion I interrupted succession that pacing was weird. Uh, but yeah, overall, I, I thought, like, I had fun. I feel like it was just an okay movie. It's harmless the way the, the Thor 1 and Thor 2 movies were. It's like, did I watch them again? Yeah, not really. They have a reasonably good time? Sure. Hmm. You should have had two movies. Um, This was kind of a swan song movie. It was her saying bye, you know? We don't, we don't really get to know Natasha even though she's a perfectly like she's shown in this movie that she's a perfectly likable character but there's really no time to get to know her because um we're establishing Yelena as 
the new black widow yelena becomes the new black widow she doesn't have her own character name she is a black widow i think that's why they should call this black widows plural because she is a black widow yeah so she can take yeah, the she's already OG, a like black, black widow. widow title from natasha because they've set her up with the chick from falcon and winter soldier so she's i guess going to go on a black ops mission and pop up in the hawkeye disney plus series that's coming up i think that's where she'll have her like turn from assassin to superhero but i think like that's how they're setting it up she's going to be the new black widow of the new avengers team okay I'm into that cuz I really like the actress Florence Pugh so I am for sure not mad if people have seen her other films she's in um a crazy cult movie Ah what's that Yes Mid-soma. she's in the cult movie You know I just watched that yes. recently I was traumatized Mid-soma. for the rest of the day <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she's so good in it yeah she's so little makeup i didn't recognize her the entirety of black widow like i found out who she was like today what? i found out that she was the chicken midsummer i was like what i did not recognize her at all at all at all like her personality is completely different <laughs> the black mm. widow movie too she's really great She's in all, she's also in Little Women then in another boxing film Fighting with My Family and in all she's so great at what she does. So I'm excited for her to like she's a, a compelling character really. So yeah. a actor, actress I would say not character. Her acting is good in comparison to say I really don't think I like uh Anthony Mackie as a presence of a person so I think for him I'm like I don't know but for her like her presence is significant so and I never felt that even for Chris Evans I don't find him a a, a compelling actor either so I'm like maybe he was replaced well because I don't find the other guy compelling either yeah, not enough gravitas you <laughs> eh? sound so high uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> there is in their facial expressions you people there's nothing they look anyway. pretty that's what they're paid to do <laughs> no, no 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 give me some movement in the face <laughs> no, no, no. i'm not into it at all anyway uh, i'm really pretty middle of the road with black widow it was fine i, I found it to be really fine i don't feel either way like too strongly on the positive or negative but yeah i think let's jump into the specifics um i think specific uh narrative choices that you enjoyed or did not enjoy about the film uh let me go first uh i really liked the introduction that i think joel you mentioned that some of the people on the side were more interesting than black widow and i enjoyed david harbour's character so so much so much his introduction like like his his escape from prison the scene where he escapes from prison was one of my favorite for sure and i also enjoyed the humor that florence Pugh had in general as yelena like i i like the sisterly thing that they had going on it was very very nice i those two things were quite strong for me i was a bit disappointed in rachel vice as the fake mother I yeah. found they didn't do much with her in comparison to what they did with the other two. And also the big bad, I found that the I don't know this film like the big bad wasn't so bad. I don't know. 
he wasn't the 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 black widow guy there's some he was lacking i just found him lacking i would say yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's something missing yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know what you guys liked um emmy you want to go first yeah okay yeah, um, so i actually disagree on some of those things i think um mm. Rachel Weiss being the matriarch, you know, the straight-backed uh, mother of the family actually fit really well. She did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, the Big Bad, I feel like they really hit home with the Big Bad, but not in the usual way. And I think in this case, um, when you're looking at um, the movie as a metaphor for sex trafficking or you know, like a pimp and girls being used, he kind of starts to reflect in a very creepy, slimy way. It got out of it got under my skin in that way when like whenever he was on screen. Um especially, you know, um some script choices here and there, you know, you can't hurt me if you can smell me and stuff like that. It got it really got under my skin because it was very um what's the word? Invasive in some way. Um he's for me he wasn't a big bird who um seemed to have any loud ideas about you know taking over the world and all that he's a guy who kind of collects trophies and they're girls and that, that's what got mm. to me about that um this villain in particular um i know joe is probably going to talk about taskmaster and maybe i'll follow oh. up when he talks about taskmaster if he talks about taskmaster i'll, I'll say what i think about taskmaster I also want to say, though, that (laughs) Marvel has a romance problem. Um, Marvel has a really big romance problem. Do you know who Rick Mason is? Like, is it in your head anywhere who Rick Mason is? What? Rick Mason. Nope. Nope. Exactly. Now, (laughs) we have um, Natasha's contact. Being introduced to us, the guy who you know gets her stuff. Oh, the black, the black guy. guy. For me, the no. The shit. no. No. Um, <laughs> we have it. We kind of like seemed, at least for me, it was really heavy on the, um, you know, romantic tension. You know, the first time we meet him, like she walks in and he's sleeping in her bed, and she's like, "You're in my bed," and you know, there's like this flirtation and stuff. But he's in the movie for not more than five minutes. Um, mm. We like I don't think they said his name once. I had to Google to find mm-hmm. out this is Rick Mason, and apparently, um, with the way that it was played out, it looked like they wanted to suggest something romantic. But again, this is something that it feels like they dis- they decided to test the waters <clears throat> with, and for that reason, it was kind of like just sprinkling a few drops there even if they knew for a fact by the end of the movie 
Natasha is going to be dead and this is going to be for nothing. There was no reason for him to be there in person. He literally could have been a voice over the phone. Um, <laughs> it's kind of um, a similar thing to what they did with um, and Natasha and, and Bruce, I think in which Avengers was that? Was it Age of Ultron? Yes, it was something they decided they wanted to test. So because they are just trying it out, they kind of half-ass it. And it ends up like seeming weird, even though it shouldn't be weird. So again, um, Marvel has a romance problem, which I'm going to henceforth <coughs> refer to as the Rick Mason problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, do I have any other comments? I really loved the first five minutes. The first five minutes were really absolutely cemented in my mind. It managed to put a whole lot of story into that time between a little girl playing with her sister and sitting down to dinner and finally us, you know, finding out that these are actually um, Russian spies and now they have to leave and stuff. I think that was really marvelously done. I also really liked the action sequences uh for me they stood out because i think for once i don't think i've ever seen action sequences like that these actually look like they're really hot and i think that's a good thing especially if you if you don't really expect such kind of like um quote-unquote hard violence from a movie with women in it so i think that was cool and yeah i will I'll have to find out what Joel thinks about Taskmaster first before I say what I think about Taskmaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before Joel speaks, I wanted to first respond to something. Um, what you had said about what the film does with sex trafficking, like as the main theme, sort of like a call to. Which I found to be strongest in the beginning at the in the beginning credits when they have they're playing a song in slow mo uh, like in the the thing they're doing and then they show the kids worst Nirvana cover by the way ah uh, yeah that was terrible song choice <laughs> but the images <laughs> eh, 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 it was uh, it's really quite distracting from what they are trying to show, which is such heavy imagery. But for me, that was like the strongest point on like pointing towards that. It was really strong. And then there's bits and pieces of it also in the rest of the movie. I think the thing that just annoys me with Marvel movies when they are trying anything serious is it never sticks for me because I don't think they can go as far. They, just, they seem not to be able to go far or deep with it. It's very, it's in, in some affecting pieces here and there, but the overall picture never happens for me. Which, like, say in her statement where she talks about <clears throat> them removing their wounds, which is such a violation, uh, but because overall the film never ends up quite being about that, the themes just get lost on me at the end. That that's my issue with it. Yeah, with most of the films. Yeah, I agree. Hello. Yeah, I agree that. Yeah. Um, you know, certain things about Natasha definitely are kind of um, 
mentioned like once or twice in the entire MCU and then we like feel bad for that like minute or two and then um, for most other movies we have everyone else having more screen time and their stories having more development and then we kind of forget Um, like again this is going to bring back the romance problem they kind of tried to emphasize um, her not being able to have children um, when they brought up like the Bruce and and um, Natasha romance, but the thing is, they kind of went about it in a really strange way because it seemed to imply that, um, you know, <laughs> she felt like she was a monster because she couldn't be a mother. Um, because they kind of ended up mirroring, mirroring it with. Um, um, Bruce also not being able to do the same thing. I think he also mentioned that. So again, that's something that is glanced at for like five minutes. You know, I you know I was wrong. She shouldn't have had two movies. She should have had like three. The first movie should have been about her time <laughs> in the red room. The second movie should have been her and Hawkeye in Budapest, and this should have been the third one. Joel. Oh, cool. Um, so, so, yeah, I'll say yeah, I like the five-minute short film that they shot in the beginning as well. That was brilliant. I love the, the kid playing Natasha especially was amazing. I was down to see that movie. I'm a big fan of like that era of history as well. As well. I think like they had, they had the whole Red... This is when they had the Red Scare thing in America where it's like, oh, your neighbor could be a communist, things like that. So, like, their whole family, even being, like, sleeper agents, was just a perfect reveal. Because um, I was not expecting that the kids were, like, like, as trained as they were. I like the reveal, because throughout the trailers, I thought they were literally making a Red Guardian, David Alba's character. I thought he was, like, biologically the dad, like, now in the canon of the MCU. But I, I really like that reveal of, like, they're all spies, they're no real blood ties, it sets things up really well for a uh, Florence Pugh's uh, character. Because uh, I think she was like yeah, much younger at the time that that sequence happens. And I love how she's latching on to, uh, trying to latch on to this idea of family. Because the only like thing I guess she had that kept her going through all the messed up things she was doing as a black widow. Uh, so I feel that added like a lot of depth to Florence Pugh's character. And yeah, definitely rooting for her. Um, yeah, now Taskmaster, I guess, <laughs> the elephant in the room. Uh, so I wasn't, like, yes, I'm very, of course, yeah, I'm attached to original um, Taskmaster was a dude, uh, so it's a gender bender thing. Wait, wait, I mean, wait, like, Joel, Master. Joel. Sorry, okay, all right, yes. Taskmaster, they never say that name. I think you should explain who you're talking about. Oh, sorry, yeah. I'm talking about um, Olga Kulienko. I've completely butchered that name. The chick from Quantum Solace, the best James Bond film ever made. Um, so she's she's like, <laughs> yeah. It's that blue, muscular, skull suit, weird, whatever the hell that thing is. Uh, with the blades. Like, I don't even know if Tass... I don't remember Tassmaster using a blade. Anyway, that's besides the point, but... Yeah, the, the well, he uses all sorts of things. That, 
I'm looking at a picture of him with a bow and a sword and a shield and arrows. He has everything. <laughs> oh, I've remembered. I remember the bow and arrow. I still don't remember the blades. I think it will slowly come back to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Taskmaster is the blue skull ninja uh, who attacks uh, Black Widow around the beginning of the movie, sent by the Red Room. Uh, the leaders believe it's a he because of the physique. Mm. It turns out to be a girl. Like, surprise, surprise. I don't know who did. Like, I think the whole world saw that coming. Even before the movie even came out. It was one of the prevailing theories. Um, so I was open to the idea. Because uh, Taskmaster's history has nothing to do with Russia originally. He's like an American. And he's not naturally has like this copycat-like ability. He registers information really fast. He grows up with it. Takes a serum. Boosts it even more. And yeah, he's one of the most mm-hmm. devastating uh, villains, like mercenaries in the Marvel Universe. A very fascinating character. Um, so for the most part, as far as like fight choreography went, I really enjoyed the Taskmaster character in this. But like they took they like took the story and inserted it in Black Widow, but it didn't like fit all that well. It was like uh, it was like an afterthought, like. Like, after, it's like, it's like they drafted together the entire movie. Then they're like, oh, we need, like, a cool person to, like, have cool fight scenes with. Or what character do we have on the roster? Taskmaster will do. Because, I mean, I didn't even buy the whole thing. Because the, the way they reveal Taskmaster is like, oh, she's the daughter of uh, the, the, the bad guy. What What is that dude's name? Yeah, that Red Room scientist was going on megalomaniacal rants at the end of the movie. Apparently has a daughter, and when Scarlet, uh, sorry, Black Widow <laughs> was escaping uh, the Red Room, she like tries to assassinate him uh, so she can get into S.H.I.E.L.D. and she winds up blowing up the bad guy's daughter. And the bad guy saves the daughter and turns her into a cyborg with, an, that, with like a cartridge port at the back of the head where he loads in all her fight moves. That was so weird to me. I didn't like, and I was at first scared that it's like they've just made Taskmaster a complete robot. When I saw that at the beginning, I was like, oh no. But then, yeah, it's human, but like the the backstory is not any more interesting than like the original. Like, I feel like if you're going to do flips like that, it should have some kind of relevance. And like a relevance also to the Natasha story, the reason it didn't have any impact for me. It's because Natasha has been assassinating people since she was a kid. And from watching the original Avengers movies, like I'm led to believe that she feels the weight of all the murders. Because she keeps talking about, like, I need to clear my ledger. There's a lot of red on my ledger. Like, on and on and on. So for me, it was like the weight of everything she'd done. But the movie decides to focus in on this one thing because now they have this character that has to have some relevance. And it's just not there it's just it's just what it was just whatever for me and it's one of those things like what you Sharon was was saying where um, there are limitations like how deep Marvel can go I'll say like Black Widow is a movie that I put because Marvel has like a slew of like more R-rated properties say like Punisher whereas like uh, they deal with like heavy world issues like prostitution uh, mob violence you know uh, war crimes, like dark, dark stuff like that. And I think that label is called uh, Marvel Knights. I think it's also where Blade is like put under. So a Black Widow story about assassinating a bunch of people needed to be taken that seriously. 
but I understand that they they kind of already Disneyfied that she was part of the Avengers uh, brand, so she doesn't have the freedom. Say the Deadpool character will probably have uh, in the next Deadpool three movie, uh, the first Disney Deadpool movie. Um, so I feel like this one really pulled its punches, and I feel like narratively that's why they chose to just rather than go back into her past where things get really dark and really dirty and really heavy. They decided instead to just proceed within the safe timeline with current Black Widow that everybody loves. So I felt like I was just being told again what happened in her past. I didn't, and it's like I wanted to see and feel, like experience uh, more of it in like real time. Uh, and I, I feel like for a Black Widow movie, that's what would be worth it to like watch it in the first place. Uh, and, I, and I feel like, yeah, this one played it like really safe with everything uh, so it was like fun and like kid friendly and to me that's where a lot of the issues were uh what else uh the yeah i was going to talk about now uh like uh ta- yeah when you reference like taskmaster uses all those weapons the reason i forgot that i want to mention is also direct, like the fight scenes in this movie the the narrative itself has a lot of fight sequences like <laughs> like when they begin their myth like it just doesn't stop she's getting attacked by taskmaster she's getting attacked by black widow there's like two full sequences of that this then then she's attacking her sister it's like one act there was a type was just one action scene after the other after the other after the other what felt like forever and i was like please can i breathe it was like re- it was cool looking stuff it's well shot but it was like jesus christ <laughs> calm down and I feel like that's what they gave more for, like, the screen time for Natasha's character. I felt like that was just, that was all the character development she had was how cool she is in fights relative to, like, these other Black Widows or relative to Taskmaster or relative to uh, the pheromone villain dudes at the end, uh, which that was interesting uh, as a concept. You, you, if you can smell me, you can't attack me. I thought that was an interesting narrative choice, and I agree. The end there was, uh, it was, it was uncomfortable to watch as well. It was very invasive. I hated that you know, someone could get like that under your skin, like control you to that degree. And I also loved, I really loved the creative resol- resolution she had to that fight, which was like to slam her head and like sever the olfactory nerve. Uh, center so she couldn't like smell anything yeah i i i like that that was a nice uh like scientific uh <laughs> little thing so so yeah narratively the movie again just average for me it's like it does a couple of interesting things here and there but it's pretty messy uh overall in my opinion yeah that's for me a narration Um, you said you'd respond about Taskmaster. <laughs> okay, so uh, my thoughts on Taskmaster. Um, so, you know, like Joel has mentioned, there really isn't much to screw up with Taskmaster because he's kind of a flat character even in the comics. Like, he doesn't really do anything. Um, he's just a guy who can copy stuff. Um... I don't know if they really went into 
um, giving him like a history and stuff and all that. But I did note that they really played this safe. I, I do think they said, did they say Taskmaster once in this? I feel like... Yeah, I think so. There's like mm-hmm. a Taskmaster protocol. Yeah, or program. they mentioned it in some way. Something like that, program or something. I, I, yeah, I think I feel like it was displayed somewhere at the beginning when they were deploying Taskmaster. There's something like Taskmaster protocol or program, something they were loading like when they were loading the thing into her brain, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I think um, using this character, they used this character the safest way possible. Um, what do I mean? Um, her whole thing is. Um, yes, she's an she's Antonia Drakov. Um, oh, I get that now. Taskmaster is Tony. Oh, okay, okay, right. Um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, it, it's so much worse for me now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, um, her whole thing is that. Um, her dad turns her into this thing. So they put a chip in her head. Um, that's that's pretty much the whole Taskmaster thing. And I think what that means is that it kind of leaves it very open. I think they did they did predict that I think they saw worst case scenario. People are going to be like, oh my god, you ruined Taskmaster. Ah. And um, they played it very safe by having this be like a woman who has like a chip in her head so with that in mind anyone can have a chip in their head <laughs> so down the line they still have the options are open for them to um, do what they want they can have an actual Tony Masters be like an actual Taskmaster and stuff but you know like I feel like it's, yeah, it's also too much effort because I, you know again he's such like, as a character, he's not really doing much. He's kind of like um, a very dilute... Um, what's that guy's name? That DC guy who's like... Um, who has child soldiers. Joe, you know this guy? Right. right. Yes. <laughs> um, he fights with the Titans a lot. Uh, dead dead yeah. shot? No, that that's a death stroke. Death stroke, yeah. Death death stroke. Slade Wilson, yeah. Original dead. Yeah, I feel like he's a very diluted. He's like from that era of um, comics where these guys were copying each other back and forth, back and forth. So he really doesn't have any depth to begin with. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think the connection. Um, that she has with Natasha as being this person that um, Natasha felt that she had to kill but didn't want to. You know, execution-wise, probably not the best, but I feel like they they kind of used this as to kind of like redeem Natasha in her own head that she didn't actually kill this person. But again, bring it back around in that, you know, this girl ends up in she ends up being used by the guy she was trying to get rid of. So, you know, there could be a whole list of um, issues that stem from that, you know, like 
if she'd finished that job properly, you know, he wouldn't have been able to do stuff like been like so abusive to her and these other girls and stuff. So again, you know, like Sharon said, these are things that Marvel doesn't really go deep into because it's really dark shit. Um, but yeah, the whole Taskmaster thing, it's very, it's, it's still really open. Um, it's very likely we won't, we won't see Antonia again <laughs> because um, I really don't think that um, Disney cares enough about Black Widow and Black Widow's related characters. We'll see, but she's probably going to be like a side side character. I see that happening. A really side character who shows up for a few minutes in a few book movies or something. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah. yeah let's talk, yeah, Joel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. I was just going to say I'm. I. I'm actually feeling more encouraged. Uh. With uh, what Sarah said about like there being hope that there's a there's like actual Taskmaster at some point. Because uh, yeah, I'm saying she's credited as Antonia also like in the IMDb. Like she's not credited as Taskmaster. I know they could have been saving that for a review, but, you know, there's leeway there. Um, for them to, like, go back, they could say, like, oh, this was a copy of an actual mercenary out there or some crap like that. Marvel is good at rewriting and backpedaling a lot of their stories. But, yeah, please go on. Um, I want us to wrap up so that we can talk about Loki. So if you have anything you haven't talked about, shoot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I just wanted to say uh David Alba is amazing. I want to see him in several <laughs> more movies. His Red Guardian character is fantastic. Like when I had the Russian accent in the trailers, I thought it was going to be cringe. Uh but he plays it so so well and like so sincerely especially. He had some really emotionally uh, moving scenes, like when he's awkwardly trying to uh, comfort uh, Florence Pugh's character. I thought that was the most adorable, clumsy thing that I'd ever seen. Uh, it was endearing. He's a horrible person, but I love how endearing uh, that they made him. Uh, so I'm hoping he shows up in because uh, it's supposed to be there's a Russian Avengers. I think they're called uh, the Winter Guard or something. Uh, they name dropped uh, for the comic book fans anyway. They name dropped uh, Crimson Dynamo. Someone who mistakes him, like mistakenly calls him Crimson Dynamo. And Crimson Dynamo is like Russian Iron Man. And I think he'll pop up in the Armor Wars series. Uh, Don Chido is doing. Um, so there's there's potential there because they have Russian Captain America. They've name dropped Russian Iron Man. So yeah, Marvel has so many uh, properties to play with. Uh, and yeah, I'm hoping to see Russian Avengers pop up. I think it would be hilarious. And to give me an excuse, see more David Alba. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I'll say this is a harmless movie to watch. Um, I feel like it's, it's like a filler <laughs> movie. It's it's uh, it's extra information, uh, but you literally don't miss anything. Like if you want to see the connection between this and like the current 
timeline of other properties you can just watch the end credits scene on youtube man and you can be like oh the chick from uh falcon and winter soldier is hiring her to take down hawkeye like that's all you need to know and you can go about your day and try the other series but yeah it's a it's a shame also for me that it's just this underwhelming it's just like what a whatever movie uh but I, but i say I'll, uh, i prefer it like a lot uh Captain Marvel. Uh, so I'm okay with people confusing this for the first female superhero film. Me, I've rewrote my memories. This is the first Marvel superhero film. I don't know what that real last one is. Yeah, that's the end of my M? Yeah, um, just to like add on that, the problem with having um with managing to think so far ahead it to to think so far ahead to like tie all these stories together is like the issue is now um we kind of now have movies playing out like a couple of episodes in a series um it's kind of standing out to me now especially with this um because you know marvel has disney has that confidence that um all their stuff is like tied together anyway so i feel like that's what happens <laughs> that's why we have uh movies that kind of really don't say that much um so i don't know i think um yeah i agree it's um uh it, it's a fun movie to watch um i definitely if you're into um really good stunt work i'd watch it for the stunt work there's a really gorgeous scene where they just kind of sail out of the sky it's so great um it was really nice and also you know david Arbor and uh and um florence Pugh. They were amazing in this. I really would like to see their dad daughter dynamic some more. So, you know, I hope I hope they, they don't like kind of leave their characters on the wayside after this because they were really good and and the characters that I think a lot of people have gotten attached to just from the one movie. So yeah, looking forward if they can use them some more. Okay. Uh, yeah, I do not have many thoughts. I think just watch it if you have nothing better to do. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bottom of the barrel. It's, really, it's really there are other there are other movies that <laughs> you can say that about. Like I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. With you know saying it's a harmful, it's a it's it's a harmless movie to watch because I also don't feel like it's. It's a mm. it's a watch this when you have nothing else to watch movie. If that makes sense, um, <laughs> mm. Mm. I feel like it's not that that far down in the list. It's like in the middle there. You know, you just watch it. It's it's a spy movie. Spy movies are cool. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you because watching it with someone who has no clue about MCU and they thoroughly enjoyed it. So watch. So yeah, that is Black Widow. Next, we're going to talk about Loki. Hello, 
So, Joel, could you give us a rundown about uh, Loki, where it is placed in the MCU and uh, plot, the Loki TV series? Uh, so, Loki follows the Loki character from the Thor movies. Uh, the series is set after Endgame, uh, and it follows this, uh, this alternate universe Loki, who got the cosmic cube and escaped uh, if you watched Endgame. Uh, so this takes place immediately after he escapes. Uh, he's basically cap- basically captured by the time police uh, and enlisted uh, to help them solve the mis- solve this mystery of like this unknown uh, villain who is like messing with them and uh, messing with their uh, ability to enforce uh, the timeline. Uh, so yeah, very trippy. Very crazy, very uh, Doctor Who-y. Uh, fun times, yeah. <laughs> I think I want yeah. to start because I know where you two are. <laughs> and I am there. But <laughs> That's amazing news. <laughs> so, let me, so let me start with my bad vibes. If you like Loki, don't worry. These two like it. No. <laughs> you guys, I Loki is not a good TV wow, show. Wow, okay. Keep going. <laughs> I, the first, with the beginning, I was quite bored by it. I think there are some things I liked, right? I liked Loki out of his costume. I think my favorite thing about it was just seeing Loki out so of his costume. Tom so Tom Hiddleston, as an actor, <laughs> was nice to see. I'm like, ooh, you really belong like in a, you know? ancient romance i was even like yeah get cheesy let's get cheesy because you have the look all of it but i first of all felt so sorry for owen wilson i'm like this is a nothing role and i get that his what? entire thing is his, his i really felt bad for him genuinely i'm like there is nothing he is doing he is it's like his role in the film is admin and you know you think of admin as boring he, he he was like an impersonation of admin boring for me in the, in the show and i i i i felt sad for oh, people man. no i have to MCU. take notes to tell you off <laughs> <laughs> i felt genuinely sad with the ending this fight finale right i'm like is this your life you really you, you, your life is cliffhangers you know you can how are you your life is set up you know even you talked about how black widow has set up how can you be happy with your life being half set up i'm and people are all excited i'm like this is so sad (laughs) (laughs) then aesthetically my goodness you guys I don't watch Doctor Who, so that's a reference that I can't... And I know they go from space to space. So I just don't experience this kind of thing. But I'm like, these people are seated in... Like, give me even something to look at. I'm like, surrounded by purple nothingness most of that time. I'm like, what? So much of the show is explanation, guys. Wow. No, this was not enjoyable to watch in any moment. Wow. There was just so many times it was Loki seated, especially with Owen Wilson, 
being explained two things and then visually behind there is nothing for my eyes to look at even thinking of this <laughs> no, 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 no. it's just like all around i'm like please there's so many even the the final episode which we the last one where we're introduced to kang like the main bad now i throughout the conversation there's just no tact to it there is nothing more than an, another scene of an explanation not thrilling at all i don't know i i i did not enjoy this show wow. i really did not i think i liked the i liked the episode where he sees all the other lokis that time when he goes and meets a bunch of lokis and it's it's quite it's interesting to see him see himself i was really into the plot where he wanted to date himself because that's so narcissistic but then they didn't even go much with it i'm like how disappointing is this this it was one of the more taboo interesting points and it doesn't matter by the end i'm like no nothingness i really did not like this show <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, no, whoa, no 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 <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what Owen Wilson said. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go off now. You two can now go. Yeah. Okay, Sharon. <laughs> Sorry, Sharon, consider this day a blessing to you because I have answers to all your questions. Good Lord. First of all, <laughs> first of all, Mobius as a character, um, he does what he's supposed to do. Um, <laughs> I don't know what did you expect Mobius to do. As I, his placement I don't in, don't in the plot. What I, what did you expect from the character? I had no expectations. I don't know who Mobius is until I got here. But when <laughs> I see you hire Owen Wilson, he's a respectable name. Give him cause something to do. Don't yes, hire him for the role he's going to do. Is he a good Sharon, Sharon, respectable name? This is the best role he's been in <laughs> since Wedding Crashers and was Shanghai Noon. Like that old old <laughs> So actually, actually, you know what? At you least know what? he. You know what? Sharon has a good point. He's been in this respectable role. In this one movie, no one has watched with Salma Hayek, where he's like cross-dimensionally and something. What bliss? Look it up, Sharon. I think you like it. For starters, I think in general you don't watch any um, time travel content <laughs> ever. Because, like, it's clear mm-hmm. because that's why I said I really don't watch thingy. <laughs> it's, it's clear not, because no. all the things that you're kind of um, finding issue with are things that are um, things that come um, part and parcel with time travel, you know, things. Time travel, time travel movies, series, and stuff like that are, I don't want to use the word exposition, but there's always a lot of explanation. Um, so this was not new to us who watch <laughs> Doctor Who and other time travel things like we expected to be explained to and it kind of has to work that way because um, time as a plot device is always such a confusing thing especially since um, there's always a bunch of different ways that um, different properties have tackled the time issue you know some people are like you know this is a grandfather paradox other people are like if you change time then you have branches in time like in Loki so the the use of exposition 
I think is entirely acceptable and ex- expected. Um, what else? Setting. We'll probably go like a bit deeper into this when we like speak in more detail about the show, but I think the use of setting was, I think it was perfect because the TVA as a place and also the other places that our protagonist ends up in are supposed to be places that are, most of them are places outside of time or places that are going to um, be destroyed by time itself if that makes sense so I really didn't expect them to look flashier or more um, I don't know I I didn't expect them to look as, like the way I feel like you expected it to look in your head um, yeah as for Loki <laughs> I don't know, I guess I we'll go no into that expectation. <laughs> None. No, you know, the thing is, we all say we, we don't have expectations, but the truth is we all have expectations going into things. <laughs> Even now, if you sat down and thought about it, it's likely you expected something. The only reason why it's a problem to you now is because you expected something to begin with. Joel, go. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is amazing. I'm I'm so I'm so happy Sharon doesn't like it this much. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um <clears throat> I for one think this is the best property that Marvel has put out and since its inception. I think this is the show that I've enjoyed the most. Um like uh, Emma said, it really embraces the science fiction tropes. And in science fiction, original OG science fiction. It's all about explaining concepts, breaking down concepts, problem solving, trying to figure out what they're about. And for me, this this show nails all those elements so hard. I was immediately like uh, sucked in. And again, I also entered this by Sharon with no expectations. Because what the trailers led us to believe the story was going to be was not at all like what it wound up being like it for me it wound up being something so much deeper so much more profound uh, i feel like everybody nailed it uh from tom hiddleston to owen wilson to what's that big chick's name from lovecraft country i was so happy to see her there she's amazing uh chick that plays rents yes the chick that plays Renslayer with a name that's difficult to pronounce the actress name Yes, <laughs> yes, that one. Um, I thought it was amazing. For me, the TVA as a space was just terrifying uh, for me. Because it was this really, like, like living in this pocket dimension where like, time doesn't really shift and you have all these wakabees that have lived for infinite <laughs> you know, lifetimes and that they have this much power was a terrifying, that was a terrifying concept for me from the beginning. I was like, these guys are dictating the entire flow of time. So I was immediately fascinated by like how this bureaucracy works, which is what like the drama of like all the episodes are, is along with the Loki character, we're uncovering how this bureaucracy works, who's at the top, why they have the tree they do, good analyzing the dogma. And yeah, this I'm very into like talking in this big, 
existential philosophical uh, concept. It's a very abstract uh, series. So I can get, and it's only recently because I thought everybody loved this series until recently. I've, I've seen other people online like Sharon. And yeah, and <laughs> I've, I've, I've come to understand it doesn't hit home the same way for everybody else. And I think I understand why. Uh, this is very much, uh, it's either for you, because like, if it's the kind of genre you enjoy, you are really, really, really going to enjoy this all the way to the end. Like the, the final episode, uh, which Sharon is saying was a poor payoff, was, oh my God, it's like an orgasm, man. Orgasm, like amazing, amazing. <laughs> Most amazing conclusion. I could not have predicted that the way we're going to bring uh, Majors, uh, the actor, like this this early on, and I felt like it was the perfect introduction for like the Kang, the Conqueror character. The the I think we'll get into it later, but this character is not really Kang. He's Immortus. It's like it's a weird, complicated time thing. But yeah, I thought he was amazing. I I I'd seen him in uh, Lovecraft Country. I guess in my head I was expecting he was kind of going to play Kang along those lines, but he showed me he has range. I was like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> like, I did not recognize that energy at all. So it was like, oh, I think that whole final conversation, the confrontation, the multiversal like stakes. I don't think I've seen stakes this large in any property because I, I tried to think of what else I've watched or read that had these kind of ramifications. And I've never seen it before. The fact that there were three people in this room that were going to like determine the fate of the entire like multiverse, like infinite possible like possibilities, <laughs> was um was just a mind blowing to me. And the way it like wrapped up that final scene, where like you just have Kang's statue, beautiful payoff. Like I cannot wait for uh, Ant Man, uh, Quantumania. I am so hyped. He's the villain of that movie. I can't, I can't wait to see how Jonathan Majors plays it. Yeah, we'll, I guess we'll dive deeper into other things later. But yeah, for me, this was fantastic. Like, WandaVision had been, like, I think my best after it came out. This one just surpassed it. And I feel like it's a testament to, like, how well these TV properties can allow Marvel to, like, play in, like, weirder playgrounds. Uh, like delve deeper into these more obscure parts of like its uh, comic book universe, and yeah, I would, I, lo I would love to see more experimental, more daring stories like this moving forward. I think that's why Falcon and Winter Soldier, Bambi, that sandwiched between these two amazing <laughs> series, it's hard to like go back to just the normal stuff of like oh Black Widow, and yes, fighting a terrorist, whatever. It's like. Like just the stakes do not match, <laughs> especially what we've seen here. Uh, yeah, I thought this was an amazing series. Em, I feel like you didn't get to say what you liked about it the way Joel had. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was trying I to mean, help you. <laughs> I mean, you started off with saying yeah, all this and, stuff about a show I, I, I like <laughs> this much. Yes, and my <laughs> words are so irrelevant. <laughs> Bobby, please go on. <laughs> <laughs> okay um honestly there's nothing um there's really nothing much i can add to what joe has said um there is just one really large 
glaring problem with Loki. <laughs> That I'm sure we are all we are all kind of just going to ignore. If I tell it to Sharon, Sharon is going to be like, "Oh my God, yeah!" <laughs> and <laughs> it's going to justify a lot of things that you think about it. Um, but I will say that the one problem is Loki himself. And yeah. I really thought that. So it's <laughs> no, you wow. didn't. You didn't think it in this way. I re- <laughs> You didn't get <laughs> it this way. <laughs> okay. I'm going Say to tell you, and it's going okay. to dawn on you a little bit. <laughs> so, mm. um, the one problem with this is they picked up um, Avengers Loki and they gave him Infinity War Loki's character development. That is the one problem with the show. It does not make sense. <laughs> It does not make sense that Loki would develop as much as a character that he did in what was it, episode one, episode two, by just watching the things unfold. Um, so that's the only thing that really does not make sense to me. It also took someone else pointing it out to me, <laughs> and now you know, like I can't stop thinking about it. But otherwise, the show is like really great. Setting Joel has said that Joel has said that it's kind of a pocket universe and it shows that exactly. Um, I've seen other creators talk about it in the sense that um, it's kind of like this pocket universe that has um, all this this kind of archaic technology. Um, so it's very clear that the person who is like running this place has had the technology stop at a place where like it's easy for everyone to use whichever time they come from someone said that and i thought that was really really genius having you know the really old pcs and stuff and everyone works like in a regular office instead of you know like overwhelming screens that project and stuff the colors as well really show it as kind of um I don't want to say communist <laughs> but um when you envision a society that that works, you know, that works in offices that like sit in cubicles and stuff, I feel like that's what it looks like when you run it through a kind of um fantasy filter. Um also what else? Yeah, overall, it's a really good show. Um, I think, I think your one complaint about there, like not being romance, I feel like it was there. I mean, sure. Could you explain that? I feel I like the there rest, no romance. the rest of the people who really? are watching it were actually against it, and I feel like um the director. The director and the writers and stuff had to like scramble to conceal the fact that they were going to have those two kids at the end because they kept saying, Oh, it's platonic and stuff, but it was really there. It was kind of that um really sweet, awkward romance thing, you know, the kind of romance that people who don't have much experience with it have. I think that's that's what I got from it, honestly. And um for it to come down to them 
um, fighting at the end and, you know, Loki dropping his weapon and, you know, that being the, the, <laughs> that being the closest thing he could say to, you know, admitting his feelings for her. I thought that was really organic, honestly. Yeah. I think it was there. I, I wanted it to be pushed further. Why? I, I I think my I don't know maybe my the expectation I could say I had for sure was like a bit of getting like a deeper dig to onto the character and he's someone who does have airtime more than say like Wanda who like did not have much airtime in the <clears throat> films the previous ones but we have seen Loki very many times and like the Joel, even the way you describe it, the, the film is the the series is such a big picture yes. series, and I really don't care about that bigger picture. Like I'm really not out here, <laughs> really eager to see. Right? Like oh, I really Sharon, want they to told you they'll see you in season two, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> that they'll see the smaller picture in season two. I don't like. It was that's why I was not really crazy about the the more more time explanations that were given yeah. to the film and i thought why well, i like the plot with him and loki the and lady sylvie, loki yeah. sylvie is those were moments mm. when that we were seeing more of loki yeah. so and the fact that it it was not even the point was disappointing for me i like the point to be oh there's a big okay. bad i was like mm right i just wanted more for me my issue with loki was not knowing much more about him in general like it was the it it, it felt like such the the film the series in general was bigger than him that's how yeah mm. and i didn't like that so narratively uh, for me luckily i think it like also addresses your last point uh, directly for me, it was Loki's. Cause I, it almost feels like maybe we, we might have gotten too wrapped up in trying to understand all these crazy mind-bending time concepts that we could try to explain. But like while while it was a big picture series, what was the biggest draw for me was the it was how much I got to know the Loki character better. So actually, with both your points, I kind of disagreed because also uh, uh, M was saying uh, she didn't get how Loki's development that it felt like he became Infinity War Loki, except he was from Avengers One. It felt and like it felt like it was rushed, and I feel like they handled his development so well because for me the change does not happen when he watches like that reel of like how his story is supposed to end i think all he saw was futility but he was still like old loki so that's why he resolved to like okay now i'm going to take over the tva and run shit that was still normal loki reacting a normal way for me it's not until he meets sylvie because this story is about loki going on a journey to find himself like literally find himself <laughs> Like finding him as a character worthy of redemption, like the series repeatedly focuses on. I feel like this is the primary focus of the entire series. It's like who Loki is, 
whether he's going to just be a person that loses, a person that inflicts pain, whether he can only be like just a villain. The character is always rest is wrestling with this issue the entire series. And then you have a character like Sylvie now who comes in who I thought was a brilliant addition. Uh yeah, we had rumors of like Lady Loki, blah blah blah. Yeah, comic book people had all the expectations, a bunch of we had conversations online about self-cest and gender fluidity, which I'm not going to go into because I do not get why that's a hot but why those are hot button topics for anybody. But you know what? Live your lives. Uh, but for me, this really worked. Uh, this female version of him like lent this other fresh dimension because like all the Lokis were like a little bit different. And they love how they were like, like when they were trying like outwit each other, and even when they like got to know each other like along the way, because because they were still Loki's. Like the series has this whole thing of like Loki's betray each other, Loki's are always scheming. So for me, that episode, uh, in between, uh, where they get, um, they like get into the fight, and then they get zapped to this apocalyptic uh, event where this planet is exploding, and they have to find a way to work together, but Loki's can't really work together. For me, that's the episode where he turns and goes goes on his own uh, character development thing. So for me, this Loki felt, first of all, like a completely different Loki than Infinity War Loki. Because Infinity War Loki, uh, that was like a whole different thing. He went on his whole Ragnarok adventure and that's where kind of his change happened. And it was a compilation of uh, the death of Odin then the death of the mother. For this Loki, I feel like, yeah, the death of the mother, like, affected him. He, like, felt bad that his actions were going to cause that eventually. But that's not what triggered the change. What triggered the change for me was his relationship with Sylvie, him falling in love with himself and falling in love with this, dec- like, like the decency, I guess, and the good that could exist within himself. I felt like this was a very, like, internal mudu, like, just the, the healing process, because there's introspection, he's having literal conversations with himself, getting to know himself. I love how they're discussing each other's uh, trauma, like, all the shared little things. And, like, for me, them falling in love is what, like, shifted him completely, because he finally loved something else more than himself, which was himself, which I, I enjoy... That confusion as well on the big picture level, but like I get what it symbolized thematically. And for me, like all compounds all the way to the end when he lets himself down, when Sylvie lets him down and like decides to, I guess, fuck over the whole multiverse because she just has to have her revenge. Um, but yeah. For for me, like that that was the enti- the entirety of the series. I don't feel like Loki is standing in the shadow of like a bigger plot. I feel like he is the plot. Really, the plot's all about Loki's, and the fact that even uh, Immortus, uh, Jonathan Major's character at the end, uh, was like considering them for the whole thing. I I liked even the variant Loki's that they found in that dimension at the end of time. Yeah, that, that, that was brilliant. Just see, again, all these little, these Lokis in different parts, like a Loki that killed Thor, the alligator Loki, uh, the, the classic Loki uh, from the comics. Uh, that, like, that, those were just great. Like, and they were all talking about like their place in the universe as Lokis. And I, I loved, I loved uh, how inspirational it was that they could aspire to more than just being themselves. So for me, this just kind of picked up from what 
that was kind of starting, I guess, to be Infinity War Loki's character development before he died, because he does sacrifice himself to save uh, Thor uh, from Thanos. Um, and like this guy, again, you know, like sacrificing, he sacrificed literally his dreams of like conquest and what, because it amounts to nothing in the end. And it's like, you know, he's in love now. It's like something bigger than himself. And I feel like, yeah, that love is a very transformational power. So I was very gung-ho for the whole thing. Uh, I felt like this whole story is just executed beautifully. Um, but again, I get the people that didn't like it. I'm slowly starting to understand why. It's like, it's either for you or it's not, <laughs> not for you. And it's a very slow burn series. It's another like criticism that I've had uh, from people because it's mostly conversation and not so much action. I think you can count the action scenes. <laughs> I don't know if you finish two hands. Um, yeah, but for me, that was beautiful. It was like great for what it was. So for me, it worked on the small scale as much as the big scale. It was a perfectly balanced series. Uh, and I feel like really benefit, been benefited from having the uh, writers of Rick and Morty. If you're into Rick and Morty as well, it I mean the Loki's are basically Rick's in a way, and like Swada Kang's now in a, in a sense. But I but I love this whole idea of like trying to stop yourself, uh, or trying to redeem yourself that even the Kang character is on. Uh, so I feel like there's so many themes to consider. This this was a series where after each episode we just uh, were just like talk endlessly with the people that I've watched it with. I would just like ruminate and like expound on like all the ideas and all the concepts and all the stakes and all the ramifications and all the big questions that it was raising. So if you're big into overthinking, I think this is the perfect, perfect series. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gone a little overboard, but that was me on uh, the narrative aspect. <laughs> yeah. I think another thing for. Um, the ending is that um, there's a contrast between Loki and Sylvie where he realizes that um, revenge will do nothing, but she still thinks that she needs to do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess he, he, he has that experience of, you know, being so angry and stuff and, you know, um, all these times wanting to get his way, wanting to be better than someone else and stuff and for you know for Sylvie Sylvie is definitely isn't there yet so she's kind of still fixated even even though you know if she just took that minute he kept asking her for to think about you know yeah. what does killing Kang really do yeah. um, if she took that minute she would have realized that you know either she fills the gap or someone else does it and it was likely it was more than likely that um, the unbelievable story he told them was entirely believable to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, also just like the, sorry, the contrast of like, you know, Loki grew up with a mother is the, is a thing they also kept like kind of hinting at in their conversations as like a stark difference between them. Because if Sylvie's best memory is that moment on the beach with Loki, if that's the best thing she has ever experienced in her life, in like the hundreds of years, they said she's even older than Loki. So if she, she's lived that long and that's the best thing that's ever happened to her, 
of course she made the decisions she made at the end and she has like so much further to go in, in in terms of like character development so i am looking forward to like season two like loki actively trying to heal himself and heal the multiverse as well for me those are beautifully like laid out stakes yeah yeah the universe is really small for sylvie right now yeah. <laughs> um loki seems to understand that you know um if there's like a big bird coming there's a big bird coming and it could like destroy even um the little happiness you have yeah. and i feel like that's also experience from um spending time with the avengers and stuff and you know that kind of stuff sylvie still definitely thinks more i really have like i don't think i can even place any bits on how like season two is going to go and i think that's awesome because now it could like like what happens to sylvie now right mm-hmm. <laughs> um did she send him to like another time on purpose or is that just a result of her killing Kang or yeah. like it's just wow. That's the beauty of it. You have no idea where anything is going. Uh, is what I also really loved about this series. I couldn't predict any episode at all. I had no idea where this plot wasn't going to go and it's been a long time since I've had that feeling watching anything. They were on here reviewing things, and yeah, you, we tend to see the same patterns in like a lot of things, a lot of recycled plots, themes, uh, characters. Uh, this felt like a very unique hodgepodge of things, and I love that I didn't know what it was fully, that I was trying to uncover what it was as I was watching it. So it's nice to have something out there that can still be surprising. Also, how creepy was Miss Minutes? Oh yeah, a, yeah. Like towards the end, I was, I was starting to think Miss Minutes might be the villain too. Like I thought it would be like too easy, but I she mean, got I really mean, creepy. Like at the end, especially the like certain exactly, when yeah. through her expressions, <laughs> she was like really aggressive. <laughs> she had that aggressive smile. It was so so creepy. I think everyone kind of had, um, you know, Miss Minutes on there bingo card of you know it's probably miss minutes but like <laughs> it was so much creepier when it got down to yeah it. yeah um she's kind of come across as this um really hate uh helpful um paperclip person <laughs> and then you know like the delivery at the end was just so creepy my goodness <laughs> oh yeah Karen. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> Ignore me, but oh, yes, please yeah, continue. I wanted to also talk about um, Owen Wilson, uh, who I thought uh, was amazing. For me, Owen Wilson, when I listen to him, I, I hear Lightning McQueen from the Cars movies. <laughs> so that's kind of funny for me at the beginning. But I thought he was great. Uh, I love the mind games uh, between him and Tom Hiddleston. That's why I feel like he was perfectly cast. He had the gravitas and acting chops to like go like uh, head to head with uh, Tom Hiddleston. Like the the barbs. I, I just liked his whole vibe. Uh, the way he really handled Loki and how he felt that he could see through you, like see through all these lies. Uh, he, he felt he felt more like like the like the detectives you see in these other American like 
the CSI Miamis and whatnot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he felt like one of those. Uh, but yeah, he was such a brilliant analyst. I loved seeing him every single time he was on screen. I've enjoyed the weird camaraderie, like the relationship that formed between uh, him and Loki. I thought that was very organic. I was actually down, like when I watched the trailers, I thought the show would just, would be more of like a simpler, more direct plot. And it would be like a buddy cop thing between him and Owen Wilson. Which I was like, I was down to just watch them doing things and like talking and like making witty remarks. They were like so much fun to like watch on screen. Uh, and when the, the scenes were like, it had to be emotional and impactful. Uh, when was it the Rensselaer character? What's that actress name again? Bate something? Google. It's Google, John. Google. Hey, I'm going to call her Renslayer. Yes. <laughs> so, like, those, <laughs> like, those little moments when he's, like, with Renslayer especially, I love their relationship as well. Like, it got so creepy when, when, uh, when he, fig- when he was starting to figure out that she was lying to him. I love the way that, uh, that dialogue in that scene was just scripted. Uh, the back and forth. Uh, how he's like, she's playing him, he's playing her. It was like the subtext of all these scenes that was the most powerful. Even just when he's interrogating Loki and like uncovers that it's Loki falling in love with himself that has caused this huge uh, variation on the deviation on the timeline. It's like just the way he uncovers information is interesting. It's like so methodical. Like I just love seeing him. Uh, so he was such a strong casting choice he was yeah he was like the secret sauce in like this entire thing because he doesn't overshadow tom hiddleston he doesn't underplay too much he's just a perfect fit uh, for that whole relationship and the entirety of the tva for me like the whole worker ants thing i i love i love that office vibe i love i love shows that have office uh, drama in them so this one did had them in a really 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 creepy way but I like I like this feeling of like everyone is trapped in this bureaucracy that no one really knows who is in charge of. That part that part I really enjoyed. And like Loki trying to unpack the things that don't make sense, uh, and Mobius having to come to terms with that. I felt like Owen Wilson was able to dabble in those different like emotional like the emotional nuance, yes, of his performance. He was able to like teeter like between those two emotions like doubt and then he's like switching back to like you know i have to like play this guy and he's playing me he was able to play those out like so well i felt like that was really it was really 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 on point like it was amazing and i feel underappreciated maybe acting on Owen wilson's part um so mobius was i think my favorite character actually on the entire show so yeah that's <laughs> I think at some point I was even shocked for you to say his name. I found him really <laughs> Like, so much. So much. I think. This is inherent of, bias. I. This is inherent Marvel bias. <laughs> in what way? In what way? In what way? I feel like there isn't um, going to be a Marvel show that comes out that you're not going to say something of this ilk about. <laughs> Really? Yes. No. <laughs> I liked Wonder Vision through nice. and through. 
Yeah, through and through, even like the ending big battle that people complained about. I'm like, what were you expecting? I, I really didn't know. At the end. <laughs> and and that was it. I was ha- I was like, it's so expected now. I just feel like it's redundant yeah. to complain. For me, that's where I have reached. It's redundant. It's going to happen. I really, I, I, I liked yeah. Wonder Vision. I really didn't like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh. I, but then this one, I Thor is my favorite. Like I have a very soft spot for the first Thor, which everyone thinks is a bad movie. Like I genuinely think that's such a great origin story. Like for me, I'm all in. So I like Loki to some extent. I don't think I feel. I even had forgotten when you say like, "Oh, the, it's the Loki of Infinity War," and I really could not recall properly. But I came with proper enthusiasm. Yeah. I wanted to, and I think I, I think what maybe soured Mobius for me is I didn't even read the article. There was just like PR about like oh. Owen Wilson is in this. They made it, they elevated it to a, a point that was so <laughs> unnecessary. So that really soured it. Like, it's, it, I began to think, you know how it's news, oh, Michael Douglas is in Ant Man. I mean, and when you, I, sound, and you sound Michael like Douglas he was is there a, for five minutes. He was there the whole season. <laughs> yes. And I find, I feel like Michael Douglas does more for me as in I can remember him what like I remember him as a person I swear Sharon take some time off Hmm? (laughs) there's something wrong (laughs) and let's go back to another person like David Harbour he's not a big name either and he's already playing a dad he plays a dad in Stranger Things but he's he has his role is significant it's I, I feel it. With Owen Wilson, I, I was disappointed because I wasn't getting much. I don't know. Yeah, and he was the only other big name. Everyone, like Gugu Mbatharo is not a big name. The person who plays... So I, 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 it's an expectations versus reality thing. It's his, his character is the type that I should not even think about, like, ideally. I, th- I came with that thing of, oh... I want to see what could he do. Because I like a lot of his comedies. I, I really find yeah. him weird in an interesting way. Mm. So, so, and I didn't feel any kind of weird. And when you guys even talk about like a police detective, like the ones that, this, they usually have such distinct characters. Yeah. And I didn't feel it with him. I didn't feel it with him. He was very black. But when you think me. about someone who works in a bureaucracy, in a bureaucracy, yeah? I feel like he nailed that completely well, even when he was outside of that, you know? Yeah. The outside of the walls of of, of, um, of the cubicle and stuff. Like, he really, I feel like he really shone for me, and I don't think I have liked him more in anything else, apart from maybe Night of the Museum. But like, <laughs> I feel like I haven't liked him um, this much in anything else. Okay, guys, we're about clock an hour, so if there's something you haven't talked about, Loki, get it yeah, yeah. in. I think the last thing that I want to say is I really love the atmosphere and the music uh, choices of 
for the entire series. There's, there's that, that weird, like, I don't know if it's a flute sound, that weird, like, UFO-sounding, like, uh, score that they keep, like, putting throughout the series. I really enjoy it. It really, like, set the vibe of, like, a really dark uh, sci-fi story. Uh, so I was really, like, immersed. I feel like this really nailed atmosphere. I loved the design of the entire TVA. I loved the offices, upon offices, that you had to, like, get through in the elevators. Like, that whole sequence of Loki even just uh, going through the process of, like, being processed uh, by all these TVA people. Like, the guy who's uh, processing everything you've ever said. Or the guy with the scanner that, like, destroys you if you're, like, an android. All that stuff was <laughs> interested. Or, like, that, that prick from Roxxon who got, like, deleted. Uh, when he started acting up while they were in line, it's like, oh, you have to like go through all these cues, and if there's no one there, I just enjoyed the whole vibe of the TVA. It was like so claustrophobic, so bureaucratic. Um, yeah, I loved it, and 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 I loved how it um stood in such stark contrast to the Loki character, who's like an agent of chaos and mischief and like anarchy, basically. So for me, thematically, this this worked on such a deep level for me. I, I, I just loved the way the whole thing was like laid out. I feel like this is a story that was so, so well thought out. A concept that was so very well thought out. I was like, I understand why the execs even greenlit it. Like a month, I think, before it even came out, people were getting rumors that greenlit it for like season two and season three. And I was like, oh, that's exciting. I mean, usually you think it's those rumors like, like, I guess the rumors were for the Ghostbusters movie about how amazing it was going to be, but then it wasn't. But yeah, but this turned out to actually be amazing. Uh, it really lived up to the hype. Uh, highly, 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 highly recommend. Yeah, those are my final thoughts. I think for me, I will talk about how amazingly out of the box the costumes are. Like, Loki's shirt doesn't have an actual collar. And it's <laughs> and the lapels on uh, Mobius's um, jacket and stuff—really small things that stood that really stand out to me as um, stuff that's thinking out of the box. Yeah, <laughs> don't think I have final words. I have said my piece. <laughs> yeah, but guys, this has been really great. This was. A great discussion for both Black Widow and Loki. Yeah, yes. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Why are you finishing for me? I'm no, not you thought finishing. you had cut out, so thought you had ended. You think? Oh, it wasn't. <laughs> I was saying what anyway. So Actually, this has I did been want, an episode. I did want the K bye to end up in there. <laughs> okay. Thank you, M. This has been our episode. This is Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon. I'm Joel. I'm M. Thank you. And bye. bye. That's how we close. <laughs> <laughs>